If you're wondering what I left for, I will tell you in a little bit. It goes along with the lesson. Um, before we get into the lesson today, we have some housekeeping to do. Just a few announcements. Um, we put this on our members page. We're living in such uncertain times, especially with this surge of the Delta variant. Some of you have been isolated, exposed to it, and this week, the leadership and I made the decision to do, and hear me, a temporary suspension of our children's classes. Uh, we had some uh, of the parents and kids also exposed, and as I've said before, and as I always will say, our leadership's heart and focus is your safety. Uh, Bill and I uh, consider ourselves and have the position of shepherd, and one of the shepherds one of the shepherd's utmost duty is to protect the flock. And so I hope you appreciate that. You've been great and patient and supportive and loyal. Uh, so we are temporarily suspending all children's classes uh, till August the 12th for six weeks. Uh, pending on what this crazy coronavirus Delta variant does. Um, good place to say, and I'll be putting some more info out. Uh, if, if you feel you need to wear a mask, by all means, wear a mask. If you've been vaccinated and don't want to wear a mask, a lot of information out there. Uh, we navigated the whole thing last year really well, you as a congregation, and we'll be putting more information. But again, mine and Bill's heart uh, is this, is to do what is best for the body known as Creekside Community Church. Uh, also a change today, we were all excited and this goes hands in hands with the first announcement, we are actually welcoming a new person into leadership, John Marler, and we had this day set aside for our, yes, that, that's great. Y'all just clap for that, okay? Because it's coming. <laughs> John's back there saying, please don't call me up, Mark. Please don't call me up. If you know John, if you know John, you know that's true. But his day's coming. But uh, Jordan was one of the ones last week uh, through roundabout just exposed. She didn't come down with it. And you know, leading a church and being in leadership, and you know my line, we're a family of families. So she and Wesson couldn't be here today. So we have postponed that till two Sundays, uh, August the 15th. And uh, if everything's clear there, watch our, watch our Facebook page and our text out. On the 15th, we will appoint John as our newest uh, shepherd. We also, in August, we have three uh, young men we're looking at as deacons, and we're excited about that. We'll be bringing more to that. I won't tip my hand, but I'm excited because anytime you grow like that, that's a healthy church, and we are growing, and God is blessing. Last but not least, next Saturday is the men's prayer breakfast at Shady Grove Cafe, 8 o'clock. That's always a good time. Uh, all the men, everybody loves breakfast. <laughs> we have a good group that shows up. If you've never been, please come and be part of it. It's a, they take care of us there, and we love that. And that's the perfect segue into the sermon. Breakfast, how many of y'all like bread? Come on. Man, I'm going to give you some of my favorite, you know. And I picked this slide because, you know, if you go on the Internet and pick bread, it's got all these ornate and nice-looking rolls and loaves and everything, but let's be honest, most of us, it's a, it's a sandwich piece, right? I mean, and I love sandwiches, but I love bread. Here's some of my favorite bread places in the world. I like Little Italy's bread. 
If you hadn't had the chance to go to Little Italy, it's just right. It's doughy and everything. Back in my college days, there was this fantastic restaurant called the 101st Airborne in Nashville. And it was literally, the theme was like a bombed-out World War II shelter base. You know, it had the military decor. But the other cool thing about it, it was right beside the Nashville airport. You could literally sit in a booth and put on headphones and hear the air traffic controllers. It was fabulous. Fabulous. Tammy and I had it went there a couple times. But for a bread lover, man, they had this round rye loaf. And since I'm among brothers and sisters, I confess me and a couple of guys ate nine of those one time. Because <laughs> they had this great honey butter. Are you with me? Kind of like Panera Bread has. Are y'all ready to go lunch yet? <laughs> Keep talking about bread. And then back in Alabama in Florence, there's another great Italian restaurant called Riccatoni's. And they, they bring this hand made baked bread. They put it in a paper sack, but they have this own, they have their concoction of Italian herbs and oil, and it's in the plate. Ed, that's you, baby, Italian. You just mix it up. And, and, and I've probably had 15 of those bags. Now, the bread's just about like this, y'all. Don't, you know, I, but we, you know, we, we love it. I think of some of y'all, I'm dating myself. How many of y'all remember Quincy's and those yeast rolls? Come on, somebody. Y'all don't remember Quincy's? Well, must be a Tennessee thing. It's a, it's a forgotten child. I'll, I'll throw a picture on Facebook. I mean, they, well, just, just imagine handmade golden butter-coated yeast rolls. How many of y'all know what that looks like? All right. So let's talk about bread. <laughs> bread is in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Bread has been established as a basis of sustenance for God's people. It was the staple of their life. It's what saved them from starvation. But there's several passages in the Bible, and we're calling today's message Our Daily Bread. If you Google that, you'll see some bread, but some of you may even have had the, you know, there's a lot of devotions called Our Daily Bread. There's a lot of sermons there's a lot of illustrations, but we're going to get into the Word, into the Old Testament and New Testament, and pull out the real meaning of bread and the course that bread plays in the life of people of God, especially us as modern-day followers of Jesus. So let's read the Word. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 to 4, and then 9 through 15. Now, this, the Israelites have just been freed from slavery. They're out of Egypt. Things are good. But there are a few whiners, as in every group. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Now think about that, church. They just got freed from slavery. And they're like, oh, kill me now, Jesus. Have we ever, I confess, I've said it in jest, but sometimes life has gone like that song we sang about life throwing us hard things. Oh, I just, it's just so bad. But that's where the Israelites are. If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us, Moses, out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And look at the reply. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough, notice this, for that day. It's going to come into play. In this way, I will test them and see whether they'll follow my instructions. They're complaining, they're whining, we're, we used to have steak and everything. And God says, Moses, I'm all powerful, I'm going to make it. I mean, I would freak out if it started raining bread. Right? You ever been hit in the head by a Kaiser roll? I mean, come on. That's what God says. I'm going to make it rain bread to tell them to go out and pick up for themselves. Watch where this is going. Verse 9. Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he's heard your grumbling. Don't think God doesn't notice your whining. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, for there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. He don't only send bread, he sends meat. Remember last week I told you God just doesn't give you enough. He overflows. He fills to the top. Evening quail came, covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Imagine that. Thin flakes like frost in the desert. Say supernatural. Something supernatural is going on here. Frost in the desert, looking like bread. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? That'd be my reply. For they did not know what it was. And look at Moses. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Israelites are complaining. God hears the complaining. Through the man of God, he instructs them, I'm going to supply your needs. I'm not even going to supply them. I'm going to supply them and then some. And so that's what we see. That's how we see a compassionate God, a God who always wants to meet the needs of his people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we know God becomes flesh, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus knows what happened in the desert because he is God. And in John 6, we pick up this story. Verse 24, once the crowd realized, and this is just an extension from last week. Remember, he gets in the boat, he crosses the lake. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got in their boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because, why, Jesus, you ate the loaves, bread, and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. You need to underline this, church. The work of God is this, 
to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? They know the story. Look at this. Our ancestors ate the manna, that's what fell like frost to the desert floor, in the wilderness. And as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, see, real fast, they're hung up on the old story. Because watch what Jesus does. Verse 32, Jesus says to them, very truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. This sounds good, the crowd says. And then Jesus does a mic drop moment. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So bread goes from a physical gift to a spiritual gift. The Israelites had to get up every morning and go out and pick up bread. Jesus says, put all your faith and trust in me. You'll never be hungry again. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's the bread that just keeps manifesting. It's the bread that fills us to a point that we don't go hungry. Paul would say it this way to a young minister named Timothy in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And you don't have to be a minister to have a calling. Wherever God has you right now, online community, wherever God has placed you right now, live it out for God. That's your witness. That's your testimony. Live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's your Facebook post if you want it. You want to shake things up? Post that. Paul says there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, hear this church, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You have been given. Do you know what that means, church? In all the hard situations of your life, God has given you the proper amount of grace to get through it. Did you realize that? If you say, I can't, if you're complaining, then you're off base. Because Paul just said, whatever you run into obstacle-wise, whatever your trials and tribulations are as a follower of Jesus, you have been given the measure of grace to get through it. We just have to realize that. We have to claim that. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? That he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Look at this next verse, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, all of those positions, and those are positions in the church. Look what they're for. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure to the fullness of Christ. If you're comparing yourself to some other Christian, stop. Because the only example you should be comparing yourself if you're a follower of Christ is Christ. That's the bar. Not the guy that you always looked up to or the older woman. I mean, give them their respect. But if you want the fullness of Christ, Christ is your example. Is everything you do in the spirit of Christ. Do people call you Christ-like? Think about that. Then, if we do that, Paul says, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Isn't that true today? You can find any theory you want to believe, religion, politics, what have you. Just get on the internet. And you can be swayed back and forth if you're spiritually immature. But Paul says, no, if you'll make Christ your head, if Christ is the mark you're shooting for, you'll come into a maturity, you'll come into a fullness, you'll, as Mikey prayed, you'll come into a discernment level where you can know what to do in the will of God. Instead, look at verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, him being Jesus, who is the head, that is Christ. From him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the people knew that God would meet their needs with bread in the desert. Jesus comes and says, I know that story. I was there. Yes, my father fed you. But now since I'm here, I'm the bread of life, Jesus says. You need to be partaking in me. So let's break out some applications. Number one, God always, say always. God always meets the needs of his people. Every time. Problem is, it's not usually sometimes on our timetable and we get grumbly and complaining. Well, I wish God would sure hurry up. I've been waiting a long time. But he is faithful. He can't help to be faithful. And whatever you're waiting on, whatever you're praying for, whatever need you are asking to be filled with, God is at work. God is working and he will give you that bread when you're ready to partake of it. Number two, God meets our needs in supernatural ways. We don't claim that enough. That this is the God who not only framed the universe, this is the God who makes bread-like substance fall on the desert like frost. That's supernatural. The Israelites didn't know what it was. They had to step into it. God will do supernatural things in your life, but you have to be open to it. And you have to claim his power. And you have to allow him to do these supernatural things in your life. 
Problem is we want to get out in front of God and do it ourselves and sometimes claim it. Look what I did. Oh, look at me. But it's God doing the supernatural ways. Number three, as the people of God, as we read, needed physical food coming out of bondage, we need spiritual food coming to follow Christ. Spiritual food. I'm going to ask you, how's your diet? Here's why I left and went out in the lobby. I actually went to my office. Because this iPad is what I preach for, but there's nothing. Here's, here's the bread. This is my everlasting gospel Bible. This is the word. This is what we should be eating. And I'm just going to be bold. Some of you, this book's just sitting on a shelf, and you ain't broke it out in a long time. Now, if you use your phone, amen. The Bible app's great. Like I said, I, I love to use my iPad. But I'm telling you, there's a special moment when you open the book, sit down, and meet God here. Some of you have Bibles that are really, really personal to you. I've got my childhood Bible. My, my favorite Bible is my dad's Bible that he taught out of. I mean, I'll just be honest. Every time I pick it up, there, there's, I think of dad. I see him having it in the pew at church. It means something to me. But you have to open the word. You have, if you don't eat the bread that God's given you, you're not going to grow spiritually. Somebody say amen. And I, you've heard me say this from the pulpit before. The time is coming and getting ever closer where the ones who don't know what the word of God said are going to be in trouble. Because misinformation's at an all-time high. And as we get closer and closer to that day, either when Jesus comes or end times start, you gotta know what God says to his people. You have to have the bread of life. It is our spiritual food. That's our next point. Jesus, the word, is the daily bread of life. He proclaimed it, didn't he? In John 6, I, it's an I am statement. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. You'll never thirst again. So we have to have bread. But can I tell you, some of the followers of Jesus are starving. Some of them haven't had the bread of life in a long time. And they're being led astray. And they're being bombarded by distractions by the enemy, our adversary, the devil. And they're believing lies over truth. Jesus also said he was the truth, amen. I am the way, truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's all about Jesus. Last but not least, when Jesus is this daily bread, here, here's, here's what happens. Here's the beautiful end result. When Jesus is our daily bread, we keep the bonds of unity and peace. Philippians 2, 3, esteem others more than yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. The Ephesians verse, speak the truth in love. Bringing in the bonds of unity, preserving the peace. There's enough people out there arguing for all of us, amen. People are looking for a community of faith where people love each other, really love each other. People are looking for a community where people respect each other. People are looking for a community of faith for all you online viewers 
Some of you online have never been here in our, our physical worship, and we invite you, and some of you have reasons for staying there, but you're looking for something. You're looking for something warm. You're looking for something supportive. You're looking for something, some group, some body of faith that loves you right where you, I love this phrase, and this is Creekside. We love you right where you are. We don't care where you've been or what side of the tracks, but we also love you enough not to let you stay there. We want you to grow in God's grace. We want you to become all the gifts and talents that God's called you. We want you to live a life worthy of the calling that God's placed on your life. So you can do all you can for the kingdom. And it starts when we're in the bread of life. Why is our daily bread so important? Well, here's why. It really happened. It was a real event. Midway a little over midway through Jesus' ministry, if you read the Gospels, if you've read the Gospels, you know, the disciples, uh, let me just say, I'm a lot like the disciples at times. Jesus shows up in my life, and I still wonder about things. <laughs> Any of y'all there? I still don't do everything I should do. So there's an event in Jesus' life where the disciples come to him, but apparently they've been paying attention Apparently, Jesus has done enough things that they're thinking, we need to go to the next level. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you just need, maybe you need to come out of a spiritual rut. You need to step it up. So the word says that the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him a simple request, Lord, teach us to pray. They apparently had seen Jesus praying. Apparently, they'd seen what happened when Jesus prayed. They'd seen Jesus' power. They'd seen his compassion. They'd seen his mercy and love. And it impacted them. And they, simple request, right? Hey, Lord, tell us how to pray how you pray. And we call this what? The Lord's Prayer. But have you noticed the first two long sentences in the Lord's Prayer? He starts out naturally giving praise, honor, and glory to his Father God. Our Father, who are in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Jesus says, okay, you want to learn how to pray? Get your posture right. Get your priority right. If you're going to pray, acknowledge the one you're praying to. It's God. It's my Father. And I love, somebody say amen to this. I love, if anyone could say my Father, it was Jesus. But what did Jesus say? Our Father. Amazing. Our Father, where are you at, God? In heaven. Praise, reverence, honor, glory to your name. Can I tell you this? It's a side sermon. I feel good. I feel like I'm preaching. Am I preaching? Man. <laughs> Thanks, Walter. I do. I, I just, I, I love this. I'm excited. Here's a tip, and this is nowhere in the notes. Spirit just dropped this one in. If you will start your day recognizing and praising God for everything he is, you'll have a better day. When you get out of bed, Lord, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my job. Show me your will today. Promise you, 
I'm not, I'm not saying you might not be trouble-free because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He said, we'll have trouble. But I'm telling you, it's all about a mindset and a posture of the heart. When you put God on the throne as you start your day, it's hard for others to take him off. I know I'm preaching now. That just, that's all God. But look at the second thing he says. After we put God where he belongs to be, he says a powerful phrase. Most of us just read right through or quote the prayer when we pray it. Give us what? This day. He's not talking about tomorrow. He's not talking about next week, next month, or next year. Some of y'all really need to say amen, including me. Sometimes I just need to get through the day. Y'all with me? Jesus knew that. He says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Can I translate that for you for for modern day followers? Father, give me enough Jesus to get through this day. Give me the bread of life that he said he was. Give me the words to navigate my difficult job. Give me the scriptures to walk through my family situation. Give me the passages that inspire me to be greater. Give us this day our daily bread. So here's your challenge. What's your daily bread? What does your spiritual diet consist of? There's a computer phrase, garbage in, garbage out. If you're filling your mind with junk, with bad entertainment, with improper language, with improper movies, with improper conversations at work, garbage in, garbage out. Jesus said himself, it's not what goes into a man, it's what comes out of his heart that defiles him. But if you will open your Bible, if you will open the Word of God, if you will open the bread of life, and, and, and if you will pull out your phone in the morning and whatever Bible app and get a word, taste the bread, God will meet you there. Uh, here's, here, this is for free. I had two pastors in a pastor's coffee this week at uh, we were talking about all the different translations. And I'll just say this, because people, I get asked this a lot. You know what translation you should read? The one that you will read. The one that's most comfortable. Because, you know, if you're not going to read it, it's not going to do you any good. But the message, which is a real paraphrase, if, if you're it, because some of, some of us, some of you, some of you even here say, I struggle with just reading. You, you always have. And, and there's people like that. That's nothing on you. But my phone and your phone has an app where it will read it to you. 
Bluetooth in the car, over your stereo, in your earbuds. Listen, here, I'm going to give you homework. If you're a listener, if you like listening to the Bible, select the message and listen to the book of Acts. It just comes alive because it's written in the language of the day. That's what Peterson's intent was. But what's your spiritual diet? What bread are you taking in? What daily bread are you taking in to grow? How are you allowing God to meet your spiritual needs? I think most everybody watching and listening here today, I think all of you, I think if I separated you and asked you individually this question, is God meeting your physical needs? You'd say yes. But I think if I asked that same question, is God meeting all of your spiritual needs? You might ponder a minute. Because remember, the Israelites had to go out and pick it up. God didn't miraculously make it fill the bread table in their tent. There is some work involved. You have to turn and open this book. You have to pull up the Bible app. You got to press play and put the ear pods in or put it on your stereo. But I'm telling you, and I can testify to it. If you will dig and immerse and delve into the word of God, the bread of life, it will begin to change your life and change your mindset and change your perspective and it can even change your attitude. So what is your daily bread? Are you feeding yourself? Are you going out and letting God meet your spiritual needs. If you have a need this morning, we invite you to, we'd love to pray over you. Maybe you're stuck in that rut. You can pray from where you're at. You can pray right at home. Uh, if I rang a bell about that Bible being on the shelf, get it off the shelf. Find a new Bible out. Life Church TV is what most of us use. A lot of people use that. It's great. There's, there's all kinds of apps. We, we live in an amazing advanced age. You know, we, li we live in a time where the Bible is more available than ever in history. But you know the sad fact? We are the most illiterate Bible generation to date. Think about that. The Bible is bigger and wider and in more places than ever, but yet the people on planet Earth are the most illiterate generation ever. There was a time in my church history where Christians were called a Bible-toting, Bible-quoting people. We got to know the Word of God because in the end, it's going to come down to are we listening to the voice of a stranger are we hearing the words of the good shepherd? There's a moment in Peter's life where people left Jesus and Jesus turned to, people, to Peter and said, will you too also leave? And Peter said this and looked at Jesus. Jesus, where will we go? Who will we turn to for you have the words of life? There's life in the bread of life.
Maybe you need to put on Christ in baptism, make a confession of faith like we recently witnessed. Whatever your need, I'm going to pray. And then, and then, this is what's really cool. As a church, we come together and we're going to partake in bread, the symbol of bread, the bread that Jesus broke on that night, the bread that is his body for our remembrance and the cup that represents the blood he shed for all of us. Pray with me. Jesus, you are, as you proclaim, the bread of life. Our problem is we're not coming to your table. We're not taking and partaking of what you've generously, miraculously, and supernaturally afforded for us. God, I pray if there's anyone in a spiritual rut here today online, that they would be motivated by nothing I said, but by your holy words to take that Bible down, to download a new Bible out and let you meet them where they're at. Let your words speak to them, encourage them, mold and shape them, Father. Speak to a situation that they're walking through right now. You do that in so many wonderful ways. Father, my prayer would be that we each and every one of us take the bread of life, Jesus, that you, you've given us, and let that be our daily bread. Let that be what sustains us through every trial and tribulation and in every good time. And let us be found walking in your word and in your will for the glory of your kingdom. We pray this through the bread of life. Your son Jesus, our Savior, in his name, amen.